This is a Watchdog Morning Show Rewind. Here's Howard Monroe. A lot of debate going on this week about President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. Um, first of all, a lot of people trying to figure out exactly how it's going to work and does it affect me or my kids and what are we going to get. And then the question was raised earlier this week, will some states charge you taxes on the as income on your forgiven part of the loan? A lot of the details of this are sitting out there. Then there's the big argument, is it fair? You know, the uh, I pay my loans, how come these kids don't have to pay their loans? That argument is out there. And those will continue for a while. Uh, I don't want to necessarily focus on those key issues right now. I want to talk about a couple of other aspects of this. And I invited a couple of guests from WBU to join us here. Rodney Hughes is associate assistant professor of the Higher Education Administration. And uh, Sam Workman is director of the Institute for Policy Research and Public Affairs at the Rockefeller School of Policy and Politics, as well as a political science professor as well. And uh, guys, first of all, welcome to the show. I'm not going to ask you your opinion on whether this is a good idea or bad, unless you want to offer it, and you certainly can do that. But I want to look at a couple of other aspects of this. Rodney, uh, the one thing I think that we haven't talked a lot about in this public debate over this student loan forgiveness is it's not as if we're ending student loans, right? I mean, <laughs> students will still have to get loans. They'll still have to deal with them in the future. So this is not a wipeout of the student loan process, and I think some folks maybe are misinterpreting that. It's not, and I think it's interesting to think about what implications this has for prospective students and students who might come into higher education going forward, uh, especially if it creates an idea in prospective students' minds that students who came before in some way have got a bad deal. Uh, was it a bad idea to take out loans uh, if then the students are going into the default or students eventually need to uh, receive this loan forgiveness? I think we could see uh, lending for access to higher education works for a lot of students, helps a lot of students put off uh, paying out of pocket for tuition and fees that they wouldn't be able to do immediately, but that helps them to uh, later uh, access jobs, access employment opportunities they wouldn't have been able to otherwise. But if students see uh, students who came before them getting this loan forgiveness, would it make them think twice about uh, borrowing when, when in a lot of cases it would work for some students? What It seems to me there is some kind of a qualitative difference from some of these loans that needed to be forgiven, and certainly loans I had when I was a, a student at WPU. Mind you, that was a long time ago. Um, but what, what went wrong with the student loan system that's creating such a controversy now, that's putting so many people in such deep debt? So I think we could identify... Uh, quickly identify a number of factors that might be related to that. The rate of increase of tuition and fees in recent decades relative to things like median household income or even relative to inflation. Uh, is college getting more expensive uh, faster than households are increasing their ability to earn or their ability to pay? Uh, is the price of higher education outstripping increases in other costs? Uh, what's going on with the labor market for graduates or for individuals who, uh, who leave higher education? Are they able to find uh, employment opportunities that let them uh, comfortably make repayments out of discretionary income? Uh, and then also thinking about uh, the number of people who might be leaving without completing degrees or without completing credentials, uh, who might be at particularly high risk of default, uh, who start to take out uh, at least some loan debt 
but may not have the, the credential that they're assuming um, that will, will sort of bankroll. So, A, cost of college is just simply going up. That's that's one big thing. It's a dramatically higher cost now than it was when I was in school a long, long time ago. So the cost is going up. Also, the I hate to put it this way, but in many cases, the value of a college degree is not quite what it used to be or what some people are sold that it's going to be. Um, at least I think that's a that's uh, that's that's a fair comment. But also, how? But before I move on to Sam, Rodney, how how do so many of the students that I'm reading about end up owing so much more than they even took the loan out for? I mean, was there something intrinsically weird about the loans of a certain era, or the loans of, that some of these kids took out that they're still having to pay off today? The, you, then we have to start having conversations about interest rates uh, and what interest rates students are getting on their loans. Uh, and, and, and now, an important part there, I think, is that we're just talking about loan forgiveness for federal student loans, uh, which in many cases mm -hmm. are subsidized or have relatively low interest rates. Uh, students might also have uh, private loans, which we're not talking about uh, debt forgiveness there, which might have quite higher interest rates, potentially even uh, higher interest rates for students with uh, lower credit scores, more credit risk. Uh, so potentially students from lower income backgrounds might even be paying more in interest or paying more uh, in cumulative debt uh, for, for the same degree potentially or to go to the same institution. Sam Workman, what, there's a lot of political argument going on right now, but what's the political fallout of this going to be? Any thoughts about that? Well, I think, uh, the, you know, in the state of West Virginia, national narratives are more prominent than ever as we've seen sort of consolidation in media outlets and things like that. And so you want to hear two narratives. One is that we have a generation, really namely the millennials, so that's who we're really talking about here, who have a very hard time sort of achieving the American dream. So, and when I say that, I, I really mean sort of home ownership, uh, you know, safe transportation, and sort of uh, a better future for their kids. Uh, so I think that's what you're going to hear from the left. From the right, of course, you're going to hear that this is a, this is a bailout for people who've made a choice to go to college and are unwilling to sort of pay the piper for that choice. And I think also, I think those folks will position this alongside long-term stagnation of real wages for working class folks mm -hmm. and uh, sort of the failure to get the minimum wage up at the beginning of the administration's term. But in terms of fallout, though, those arguments have equal weight in terms of sort of getting people out for the midterms and all that. So I, I don't expect there to be major shifts on the basis of this policy alone. As we are in every other part of our society or every issue in our society, we're deeply divided. Sure. And those who think it's a good idea are going to go out and support Biden or the Democrats. Those who think that it's a, it's an unfair giveaway are going to continue to support uh, the Republicans, basically. So it's, it's a wash. Is that what you're telling me politically? Uh, I think politically it is a wash, right? Because uh, we're talking about the ability to get your base out. And in midterm elections, you're not changing folks' minds because the folks who are sporadic voters who might show up and turn an election, they're not showing up for the midterms historically anyway. So this is really about how much of each base uh, these sort of policies, and student loan forgiveness doesn't stand alone in all this. The climate change bill, infrastructure, uh, CARES Act, ARPA, all of these sort of programs that are trying to lift us from, uh, you know, COVID times and sort of spur the economy, they're all going to be 
part and parcel of this, but it's really about base. We're not changing minds here. It does seem to me that in recent weeks or months, Biden and the Democrats have been able to gather some momentum. Maybe that's the best way to put it. I think Roe v. Wade's overturn has helped probably motivate some people. I want to go, first of all, say I think you've absolutely analyzed the problem we have in our society. We're an evenly divided, divided society. Sure. Um, and the question for either side is, how do we move off of dead center and get our guys or gals elected and take control? Uh, I still think it's all about uh, turnout. I think it's all about how to get your base out. And sure. it is either to do good things for them or to irritate them about what's being done to they go vote for the other side. Um, and it seems to me right now, you're the political professor, tell me if sure. I'm right. It seems to me that Biden and the Democrats have the current momentum. On that well I, th- I think in the broader public that's probably true they've captured the momentum a little bit here but in terms of how the midterms are going to turn out I don't think any any political scientist who is deep in the heart of election studies would tell you I mean it's very likely the Democrats lose the house anyway regardless mm-hmm. of all this momentum uh, they, might, they might keep the Senate owing to um, uh, unpalatable choices on the right uh, for candidates, but largely I think this really is, uh, you know, it's some momentum for the president for sure, but I don't think this is going to shift in a, in a great way any of this uh, midterm elections, especially for the House. This concept of student debt forgiveness uh, actually was talked about during the campaign. It's certainly been kind of hanging over the Biden administration since he took office. Um, why Why now? Is it a political move to, to move it to the front now? Well, I think, you know, in, any there's politics embedded in everything, right? right? I think all... No, all you're these, kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> all of these politics have elements of, you know, serving your constituencies along with the notion that there is a very real problem out there, especially for this uh, generation we're talking about, who have extreme difficulty doing things that the generations before them and possibly after them will do. And so I think you can never really separate the politics from the problem in a, in a clean way. There are both of those things. And of course, the reality is, is that on the right, Right. The folks who point out that, well, you know, working class wages have been stagnant for decades now. And why didn't you do something for the minimum wage and for those working class folks? Right. They're, they're not wrong. Those those are those come from nuggets of truth. Right. Yeah. Rodney or Sam, for that matter, either of you guys, um, we talked about what maybe students need to think about uh, moving forward on student loan debt because it's, it's not going away. Students still need to borrow money. Um, as a result of the conversation that's come about leading up to this and from this, are there policy changes that we need to make in terms of, of student loans, student loan debt, how we handle it, uh, those kinds of things? I mean, is there a are there some structural changes that we ought to be considering moving forward? One fundamental one, I think, and, and part of my read of the debt forgiveness is to say, well, Pell Grants should have been higher before, uh, and if Pell Grants had been funded at a higher level or potentially available to uh, a higher percentage of students, 
maybe students wouldn't have had to take out as many uh, federal loans or as high balances in the first place, and then they wouldn't have had to have uh, loans forgiven. Now, that's something uh, that would need to be negotiated in Congress, uh, so that's a little bit different from what we're seeing here. Uh, but part of this to me, and, and even in seeing the higher amount of debt forgiveness for students who did receive Pell Grants, uh, certainly directly raises the question of, well, well how should we fund Pell Grants? Uh, what should be the, the level, uh, what percentage of uh, tuition and fees should Pell Grants be covering uh, for students who have financial need, which traditionally has been uh, a very big public motivation to provide that uh, assistance for uh, individuals from lower income backgrounds to have access to higher education. Um, another interesting part of it, uh, it uh, aside from the debt forgiveness itself, uh, around changes to income-based repayment uh, is an idea that we talked about earlier around interest rates. Uh, and if students are in uh, income-based repayment programs and happen to have very low or even zero uh, monthly payments based on their discretionary income, should they accumulate interest? Uh, or should their interest be subsidized if they're making uh, what's in line with their discretionary income? So if that's way uh, you mentioned at the open uh, it isn't going to change borrowing going forward it isn't going to change loan debt going forward uh, maybe there's a policy precedent for thinking about okay students need to pay their loan back live their loans back but we're going to think about uh, from a policy perspective what's an appropriate amount of this interest accumulation uh, for students so they're not spending additional years just paying off interest uh, when there is this sort of access motivation to facilitate uh, students being able to attend maybe they pay back uh, the amount it costs them to attend their institution, but then they're not spending additional time or additional dollars paying off the, the accumulated interest. One, one thing I would say, too, that's probably missing from this conversation is, you know, we talk a lot about the student end of things, the degrees they choose and sort of interest rates and all this, but you can't dissect this from the sort of larger national picture of sort of the erosion of public support for public universities, right? And so over time, uh, we see that, and as a consequence, universities have to uh, staff a lot of units and a lot of sort of uh, activities that traditionally they might not have had to with more public support. So as, as sort of the landscape for higher ed funding changes, universities have to look a little more like their counterparts in the nonprofit and uh, private sector. Well, I, I, this, this is, I think, engendered a good, good discussion in our society. The student, don't, student debt problem has been hanging out there for many students for a long time. Uh, it seemed to have gotten, have hit sort of a, a, a crisis stage for many of them. So maybe this at least gives us a chance to talk about, you know, what kind of revisions do we have to have moving forward. And guys, I don't know if this is an area that you have any comment on, but do we need to maybe be a little less... Um, starry-eyed about the future of different careers with our kids? Should we be more realistic with students about what they can expect when they graduate? Because I think a lot of them figure they're getting out of college with a degree. And this may be multiplied because of some, so many of the for-profit colleges out there as well. Uh, that they, it's, they think they're going to get that college degree and suddenly become rich, and therefore what difference do the loans make because I'm going to be rich? Do we have to moderate those those uh, expectations a bit? Well, I would say, go ahead, Tim. Oh, I was just going to make two points. Uh, I think, first of all, the discussion has to start from a basis of sort of data and where we are. And the reality is, if you look at NCES data, um, only, you know, these degrees we talk about, gender studies, area studies, sorts of stuff, 
uh, religious studies type things, those make up only around 0.4% of our students. And there are studies that show that those folks with bachelors and those especially like area and ethnic studies folks earn around the same amount as bachelor's degrees in biological science management and psychology. So uh, we, we, have to, we have to start there, I think, from thinking about that. And I think a lot of these conversations, at least at the university level, now, how, now getting the students is different, are already underway on campuses uh, sort of nationwide about sort of what we offer and, and how we need to change in the sort of new, new environment for higher ed. Concluding thoughts, guys? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to think about when and where or, or when and with whom students are having these conversations. I think it's important that it starts early, potentially when, when students are around 10th or 11th grade, uh, to, to think about uh, what they want to do after high school, but then how is that going to map on to their skill development or uh, professional development in a career direction? Uh, who is talking uh, about these things with students? Is that counselors at their school? Counselors uh, have very strenuous workloads. Uh, is it teachers? We think about uh, teacher shortage issues and, and who's in the classroom to have these conversations. Uh, is, it, is it family? Uh, is it parents? Is it others in the community? Um, so not to take for granted that students have uh, the, the the resources or know where to go to have these conversations, uh, but I think it's vital to think about these, these um, sorts of planning questions. Is college the right fit? Is, is a different sort of uh, professional development track the right fit? Um, not associating a value with saying, oh, it's, it's good to go to college, you have to go to college, or college is worthless. Kind of mapping that onto each student's interest and each student's abilities that's a very nuanced conversation. Like it's a, it's, it needs to start early and, and students need to have somebody that's invested in them to have those conversations. The questions are vital to make good decisions, but we can't take for granted um, that every student has access to that. Gentlemen, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you for sharing uh, your thoughts with us. Give me some good perspectives to consider and hopefully the audience as well. Appreciate it very much. Have a great day. Yep, thank you, Howard. Thanks for having us on. All right. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, Sam Workman and uh, Rodney Hughes from the uh, from WVU, uh, different aspects of their business school, talking about the whole student debt issue. Uh, it's a big deal. We're talking a lot about it uh, these days. Listen to more interviews and rants from the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe on Apple Podcasts.